0: You're listening to the Scotiabank Market Points Podcast. I'm your host, Greg White. Market Points is part of the Knowledge Capital Series, a collection of audio, video, and written commentary from Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets leaders designed to provide you with timely insights and analysis. While U.S. COVID case numbers have risen drastically over the last few months, the U.S. dollar has slid with the U.S. dollar index off over 10% since its March peak. Typically, in times of global crisis, the dollar acts as a safe haven. But there are several forces at play this time around that are contributing to dollar depreciation. On this episode of Market Points, Sean Osborne, Managing Director and Chief Currency Strategist at Scotiabank, returns to the podcast to triage the ailing greenback. Hi, Sean. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey great, great to be here. So the last time we had you was back in uh, May, and that was right before we saw a slide in the U.S. dollar, and of course this pickup in the in the U.S. Uh, issues with the pandemic. Um, lay out sort of that connection between um, that the currency and uh, the economic situation.
1: Yeah, I think there are a number of factors that have um, kind of come together all at once here over the past few weeks to to push the US dollar down. The first issue, I think, is the aggressive monetary policy easing that's been implemented by the uh, US Federal Reserve and the huge liquidity overhang that this represents for the US dollar. US interest rates have dropped uh, very sharply as the Fed has pushed interest rates um, down to effectively close to zero. And that's removed one of the key pillars of support for the US dollar that's been in place over the past few years. And that is effectively the uh, fact that um, the US dollar has benefited from superior interest rates compared to its peers. Most major central banks now have key policy rates set at or very close to zero. Uh, And in real terms, that's to say adjusted for inflation, um, 10-year bonds in the US are now Lower real 10-year bonds in the U.S. are now lower than those in Japan, and the spread in real terms over core eurozone bonds has narrowed significantly. So low U.S. yields have, in effect, undermined the attractiveness of the U.S. dollar for investors.
0: How do those lower rates and um, other Fed action uh, with respect to U.S. dollar liquidity uh, contribute to a dampening of the uh, U.S. dollar safe haven effect?
1: Yeah, I think it's an important consideration um, in, in the light of, of, of what we're talking about. I think there's a, there's a couple of aspects to this. Firstly, lower yields globally um, have forced investors to re-embrace riskier assets. So after the big crash in equity markets, we've seen a very significant rebound in global stock markets to the point that um, U.S. equity markets are effectively a very bang very close to the high point we had um, prior to the crash. Low yields provide a backstop for equity markets, and in other words, and for risky assets um, generally. And that's produced a very benign investment environment globally, so there's less demand for the US dollar from a safe haven perspective. A second important aspect of this relates to another measure the Fed has taken to, I think, ensure that there's adequate liquidity in offshore US dollar funding markets. We saw very early in the pandemic that markets started to seize up, and people were reluctant to lend to counterparties because they were unsure of what was ahead or they wanted to hold that dollar liquidity for their own purposes. And that drove a significant tightening in overseas funding markets for US dollars. And that also helped drive the US dollar higher. The Fed's response to that situation was to ensure that there's adequate dollar liquidity in overseas funding markets by enhancing its swap lines, its US dollar swap lines, with other central bank counterparties in Europe, in Asia, and Latin America. To make sure that markets had ample access to dollar funding, and that's calmed down that uh, that tightness that we've seen in dollar funding markets significantly over the past uh, over the past few weeks. So that has, in effect, undermined another aspect of the dollar's safe haven credentials—the liquidity premium that investors often place on the dollar in times of uncertainty.
0: You've written about the U.S. dollar smile uh, when it comes to uh, safe haven. On one hand, economic performance on the other, can you uh, perhaps expand on that and explain it for the listeners?
1: (laughs) Yeah, the dollar smile is kind of interesting um, um, story for for the dollar. It's probably not great podcasting material um, because what I'm gonna do, Greg, is to ask you to try and imagine a a smile, a curve, um, a broad um, sort of U-shape, and on one slope of that smile uh, representing appreciation. We have a global backdrop characterized by weak economic circumstances and weak risk appetite. In that situation, the US dollar would tend to appreciate due to its safe haven status. On the other side of that slope of the smile, representing another cycle of appreciation for the US dollar, we tend to have a situation where the US economy is outperforming and the Fed is maintaining a relatively more hawkish monetary policy stance. In that situation, the US dollar would also tend to outperform. So you have these two extremes on either side of that smile, where the dollar typically would tend to appreciate. The low point of that smile or the curve is the trough between those peaks and that represents typically a phase of the U.S. dollar underperformance, um, a situation effectively we're facing right now. That's to say where we have a dovish Fed, a benign investment environment, so no safe haven demand for the U.S. dollar, relatively weak U.S. economic prospects, and in that environment, the U.S. dollar would tend to depreciate. And that's effectively, I think, the situation that has emerged over the course of the past few weeks.
0: So where then does that leave the U.S. with respect to expected economic performance? And um, uh, how has their actions over the last couple of months been a negative contributor to that?
1: Yeah, so I think we we talked about um, U.S. interest rates um, uh, a moment ago. And I think when we think about the dollar and how it's performed over the last few years, there's a couple of key aspects to the dollar's performance or three aspects, I would say. Uh, One being interest rates. Um, and superior interest rates um, relative to much of the rest of the world in the US. The other factor has been the safe haven demand uh, for the dollar in times of uncertainty or when we have a liquidity crunch. And a third aspect of this is um, generally superior rates of of US economic growth. Uh, And that's where I think the kind of third and final pillar of um, what has been a very supportive environment for the US dollar over the last couple of years is looking much less attractive now. Effectively, the U.S. economy is slipping down the growth rankings for 2021 as we look into next year. Uh, Currently, if we look at uh, the consensus expectations for the U.S., the the U.S. economy is expecting uh, growth of around about 4 percent next year. That's according to the Bloomberg consensus. That's okay, But Japan, uh, among the large economies at least, is expected to, only Japan rather, um, among the large economies, is expected to grow more slowly. Uh, So that's to say we have growth expectations in Europe, in Canada, in the UK, that are quite significantly superior to that of, uh, of the US. And more importantly, perhaps, we've seen growth estimates in the US being shaded back by a few tenths of percentage points over the past few weeks, whereas growth expectations for Canada for 2021, for example, at around about 4.8%, are actually improving a little bit. Eurozone and UK are expected to grow around 5 to 5.5% maybe a little bit more than that overall in consensus expectations for next year. So um, the U.S. has slipped down the growth um, expectations rankings, and uh, that will have an effect of, I think, driving investors away from uh, the U.S. and U.S. dollar denominated markets as they seek better returns and more dynamic growth uh, elsewhere.
0: Why is it that the the U.S. isn't expected to make a, a comeback like the rest of these economies?
1: I think it goes back to um, a situation we've kind of been now, uh, now we're through presumably the worst of the pandemic. It seems quite likely that the global economy most likely troughed in the second quarter um, of this year. And now I think we're in a a situation where um, investors are starting to note and pay attention to how effective the various governments pandemic management and fiscal support measures have been and how these measures um, set effectively these, uh, these economies up for um, the recovery phase now, and who's going to emerge effectively first or in better shape for 2021. And I think when we look around the world, um, you know, the US response has been um, somewhat muddled in terms of trying to manage um, the COVID 19 outbreak. Um, arguably, its um, fiscal response, although it's been very generous, has perhaps been less targeted, less effective perhaps than other parts of the world. Uh, Canada and Germany, for example, have focused more on. Uh, job retention schemes to ensure that um, industry is well equipped and well supplied with labour, um, and labour is ready to go. In effect, once the green light is is switched on to restart the economy, whereas um, U.S. companies have tended to lay off people, and the support uh, packages there in, in the U.S. effectively have been targeted more at um, unemployment benefits um, and less so at job retention schemes. So, um, I think it's a reflection of the expectation. Um, that some of these economies outside of the US, namely Canada, um, and perhaps the Eurozone, are in a better position to um, get back up to speed more quickly, perhaps than, uh, than the US is at, uh, at this point in time.
0: Is there an election year effect um, at play here as well? What's your thoughts in terms of how the dollar would normally react in an election year versus, let's say, this particular election year?
1: Yeah, the elections are kind of interesting thing because it's uh, it's obviously a, a uh, it's clearly a, a big concern and a big focus for investors. Um, every time every time we get into this, particularly this part of the election cycle now, just a, a couple of months away from um, the start, the real start of the election um, campaign, um, and um, it's it's difficult to detect a, a clear pattern for the U.S. dollar as we run into the elections. So the dollar has tended to do kind of move essentially all over the place um, in uh, in the election cycles of the, of the last uh, 30 or 40 years. So there's no clear pattern um, in this. Obviously, a lot depends on economic circumstances at the time, what uh, the kind of market preferences for um, the preferred candidate, um, so to speak, to, to win, who's going to have the better market-oriented uh, policies, all those kind of things um, come into effect. I think this year, at the very least, we're likely to see probably a bit more volatility in the currency markets than we usually see in the run-up to the uh, the election itself. Uh, just because this has been a, a rather unusual period, it's probably going to be a rather, um, rather unusual um, election campaign. Um, and I, I think that lends itself to a situation where there's probably a little bit more uncertainty about the outcome and possibly a little bit more volatility in the US dollar.
0: With everything that's been going on, this has sort of increased... Uh, the chatter with respect to the U.S. dollar uh, at the tipping point of losing its dominance as um, as a global currency. Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, it's an interesting um, topic of discussion that has come up a fair bit. And in our, in our um, discussion with, with clients recently, there's been a fair bit of press, I guess, on this. You know, the dollar has wobbled a little bit. It's not weakened severely. Um, I think people... You know, every time we see these kind of um, wobbles in the dollar's value, uh, there is a, a concern emerges about the dollar's status as the global reserve currency. We've seen that kind of thing um, in the past. And I, I, I think what uh, what worries people is that um, these kind of regime changes in history have happened relatively quickly, although they they tend to evolve very slowly. The actual change in regime uh, happens actually very quickly. Um that was certainly the case with the pound sterling uh, when it lost its reserve status um, in a in the space of 10 or 15 years or so in the 1920s and 1930s and was replaced by the US dollar, for example. I don't think there's any evidence really to suggest that the dollar's likely to be knocked off its reserve currency uh, pedestal anytime soon. I think firstly, uh, we have to remember the dollar remains very deeply embedded in the global financial architecture. Credit markets are dominated in issues in US dollars, for example. Major commodities, gold, crude oil, most metals, uh, for example, most soft commodities as well, um, are priced in US dollars. The dollar comprises one leg of nearly 90% of global foreign exchange transactions these days. And central banks maintain a very significant share of their reserves in US dollars, nearly 60%. uh, And that proportions actually remained relatively steady uh, over the last few years. So there's no clear sign that the dollar's losing its reserve status at all. The dollar is a floating exchange rate. It has been since the 1970s, the end of the Bretton Woods system uh, that prevailed in the post-war period. It tends to appreciate and depreciate in long-term cycles over time. And all I think we're seeing at the moment is the manifestation of the early stages of a weak dollar cycle. Uh, So I think that's uh, that's an important consideration. Um, The dollar may soften up a little bit more um, but I don't think this is the um, this is the end of uh, of the dollars reign if you like as the um, major reserve currency of choice I think we also have to think about who might replace the US dollar if it was to come to that um, the euro and the yuan are possible candidates but um, the euro is still a relatively young currency it's only 20 years 20 years old still facing some mean uh, you know fairly significant growing pains um, And the Chinese Yuan itself at the moment is is not fully convertible. Um, So it's unlikely that that, um, uh, that's uh, in any position to usurp the dollar at um, any point in the near future. I think the dollar is essentially likely to be made king of the FX hill for some time to come.
0: During this current depreciation of the U.S. dollar, how has the Canadian dollar performed uh, relative to the other global currencies against the U.S. dollar?
1: it's been a bit of a disappointing year I'd say overall for the Canadian dollar the Canadian dollar actually just in the past uh, couple of weeks or so has kind of slipped to the low point or the the bottom of the um, year-to-date performance league um, of the major currencies versus the US dollar so it's it's had a pretty soft run overall I think um, to some extent as investors have moved away from the US dollar over the last few weeks the Canadian dollar has Kind of got tarred with the same brush, effectively. There's been um, perhaps more of a sell North America trade um, going on, um, as opposed to a sell US dollar specifically uh, trade. The uh, Canadian dollar has tended to get pulled down, effectively, in, t- in alongside the US dollar as the US dollar has depreciated against the likes of the uh, the, the yen, uh, the euro, and the pound sterling, effectively. But it's also lost ground against its commodity cousins, uh, the Australian dollar and New Zealand dollar as well. So. This hasn't been a particularly good run for the Canadian dollar. I do think it's um, it's looking a little bit undervalued. Uh, our valuation models are um, struggling a little bit with the volatility that we're seeing in markets at the moment and the various um, um, uh, aspects that um, of, of this situation that we're dealing with from a, a fundamental point of view. But um, um, when we did run the, uh, the valuation model um, a week or so ago, it did suggest that the Canadian dollar is looking quite, significantly undervalued. Our fair value model suggests that we should be trading somewhere closer to uh, 130 at the moment. Right now, as we record, we're trading around 133. Um, So we do think there's a little bit more upside in the Canadian dollar, a bit of catch-up to come, given that oil prices have strengthened. Canadian-relevant commodity prices recently have appreciated or or risen in value, and that should be good for the Canadian dollar. I think the Canadian data as well... um, have not really been given as good a shake by the markets as perhaps they, they should have. We've had some fairly decent employment numbers in Canada uh, recently that shows we've regained a little over 50%, close to 55%, I believe, of the jobs lost during the downturn. Um, and that compares with around 40% um, of um, jobs regained in in the US. So we seem to be a little bit ahead of the, the curve, in effect, uh, relative to the US. And I don't think that's uh, in the recovery process, that's to say. And I don't think that's really being fully reflected in the Canadian dollar at this point. So um, we think there's a, a little bit more upside in the Canadian dollar to come. Um, it, it may be a bit of a slog to get there um, just because we seem to be facing some, some headwinds at the moment uh, that um, difficult for me to account for just because um, I look at factors that to me suggest the Canadian dollar should be appreciating at the, the, the moment. Um, But at the very least, that should mean, I think, that the Canadian dollar doesn't see an awful lot more downside Uh, right now. It should, I think, um, manage to squeak out another another cent or so higher over the course of the next few months.
0: So taking all this into account, how has this impacted your 2020-21 forecasts?
1: Yeah, we've we've tweaked our numbers um, for the the currencies, um, excluding the Canadian dollar um, a a little bit, given that uh, we have seen the US dollar slide. Uh, We generally have been on the more negative side of the forecast range for the US dollar um, over the course of uh, this year and into next year. But the the dollar has obviously moved quite a bit in in just the last few weeks. So uh, we think we'll probably end this year around 118 against the euro. um, And the euro will appreciate towards 121 in 2021. For the Canadian dollar, our numbers um, unchanged versus the last forecast round we expect um, to end this year around 132 against the US dollar. And for the CAD to pick up a bit more ground next year and um, edge down to, or Dollar Canada should edge down to 128 That was
0: Sean Osborne, Managing Director and Chief Currency Strategist at Scotiabank. You can find more thought-leading content from Scotiabank on our website at gbm.scotiabank.com. And you can also follow us on Twitter at GBM, as well as our LinkedIn showcase page under Scotiabank Global Banking and Markets please refer to our legal disclosures on our website. Thanks for listening.